Hope you all had a joyous and a great Christmas this past weekend as the Chiefs stomped on the Denver Broncos 33-10. And of course got a little bit of an early Christmas gift before kickoff when the Pittsburgh Steelers defeated the Baltimore Ravens, allowing the Chiefs to clinch a playoff spot. And I'll say this, your Christmas could have only been the best if you caught a touchdown pass from a 346-pound nose tackle. Yes, I'm talking about Demetrius Harris. He had the best Christmas because he caught a touchdown pass from Dontari Poe. I mean, was that not the coolest thing you saw from the Chiefs this year? And we've seen a lot of nice things from the Chiefs. All these comebacks, these, these thrilling, dramatic wins. That had to be, that, that's, that was pretty cool. You've got to put that up there on top. Speaking of the exciting games the Chiefs have been involved with this year, NFL.com has nominated the Chiefs not once, but twice for Game of the Year in 2016. Uh, of course, the Chiefs and the Broncos from their first meeting earlier this season that took all 75 minutes with Cairo Santos' game-winning field goal that hit the upright stayed in. That's a nominee for Game of the Year, as well as Eric Berry's game-winning pick two interception back for a touchdown, uh, or a pick two, I should say, uh, which is what I just said. Uh, Still a surreal, that's how they won that football game. Uh, That's also a nominee for Game of the Year, the Chiefs against the Atlanta Falcons on the road. And those were back-to-back games. Uh, Those were the two games that I actually was concerned with. I thought the Chiefs were going to stumble in those two weeks, but... Not the case at all. The Chiefs really went on the road and got two statement wins against, one, the defending Super Bowl champions, and the other being the highest-scoring offensive team in the National Football League in the Atlanta Falcons. Hope you all had a very Merry Christmas. I'm Farzin Vasugian. Thank you guys for downloading this edition of the Chiefs Podcast. A lot to talk about. Only one podcast this week once again. Uh... Merry Christmas! The Chiefs got a playoff clinch. They got it. They they got their playoff spot. They're a wild card team at the very least. But there are a lot of seeding situations here. Uh, if the Chiefs do win, if they do win and the Raiders lose, the Chiefs do get the number two seed, which is all, which of course means they win the division for the first time since 2010. However, if they lose, then the Raiders win the AFC West now. If the Raiders win, regardless of what happens with Kansas City, then the Raiders win the AFC West. Now, there are there is a possibility the Chiefs could drop to number 6 in the playoff standings. If the Chiefs were to lose and the Dolphins win against the New England Patriots, then the Chiefs would fall to a 6 seed. So, a lot of different options here, and, and the 3 and 4 seeds... Those are, if I'm not mistaken, those could still change between the Steelers and the Texans. And look, we saw what happened when the Chiefs went over to Pittsburgh earlier this year. I think this is a much different football team than what we saw in Week 4. But still, you want to try to avoid that game right there because you know everyone's going to talk about that Week 4 matchup. But also mention the fact and give some respect to the Chiefs that they are a far different football team uh, from October the 2nd. Versus January 8th or 9th, whatever the date will be when the Chiefs are playing in the postseason. 
And of course, a lot of eyes are going to be on the Chiefs uh, game against the Chargers this week, hoping the Chiefs can win that one, which by the way, the Chargers just fell to the Cleveland Browns who picked up their first win of the season, and maybe their only win of the season. And also, a lot of eyes here in Kansas City will be on that Raiders and Broncos game in Denver, and with Derek Carr down and Mac McGloin filling in, yes, he had that uh, pass to ice the game against uh, boy, against the Colts. I forgot who it was for a moment. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's nice that he got that, but are we going to let one pass dictate whether or not Matt McGloin will be uh, or, or not be good for, for, for the Raiders? I, I don't know. Now, there's all this hype here with Derek Carr and how he may come back if the Raiders make it to the Super Bowl. And I'm just going to say this right here. If the Raiders, without Derek Carr, make it to the Super Bowl, and if Derek Carr is suddenly available, you don't use Derek Carr. You stick with Matt McGloin. Because if you're, if you made it into the Super Bowl with Matt McGloin under center, that tells me Matt McGloin has the hot hand. Now, it's entirely possible that the Raiders could go run heavy and win their two games, assuming that they uh, get a bye week. For the, for, for the playoffs, if they dominate whoever they play in the first round or in their first game, and then the Patriots or whoever in the AFC title game, if they dominate those two games by doing the whole ground and pound deal, okay, maybe then you could say, hey, look, Matt McGloin hasn't done anything. Let's bring back Derek Carr. But listen, this whole Derek Carr might come back for the Super Bowl, a lot has to happen in order for that, first of all, his his injury with the broken fibula, uh, the recovery process, it has to go perfect. And every every single thing for, for, with the recovery process has to go perfect. And we all know that at the end of the day, recovering from a broken bone, uh, an injury like that, not every single thing will be perfect. It will not be best case scenario in which you return at the earliest state possible. So that's a very rare, that that itself is rare. But even if he is available, if he's ready to go, if they say he's 100%, if doctors clear him, if you made it to the Super Bowl without him in those two or three games that the Raiders could play in the playoffs, doesn't that tell you that, look, I hate to say it because Derek Carr truly has had an MVP season, but at this point, if the Raiders do make it to the Super Bowl without him in the two to three games in the playoffs, doesn't that tell you that maybe they should stick with Matt McGloin? And now listen, I know that the Denver Broncos reached the playoffs with horrific play from Peyton Manning. Listen, we haven't seen a team get to the Super Bowl with horrific QB play since Rex Grossman with the Chicago Bears in 2006, coincidentally against Peyton Manning, but with the Colts. So... Here's my thing. It's extremely rare that a team with bad QB play gets to the Super Bowl. The Raiders, in my opinion, shouldn't even use Derek Carr if they get that far. Which, let me just say this. I think the Raiders are going to be a one and done. If you don't have your quarterback, which is a big reason why you have had such a dynamic offense, and I have praised this Raiders team. and Before the season, I said Derek Carr... And everything he has around him, he's going to utilize all these weapons. Which he has done exactly that. And without him, 
What kind of a receiver is Michael Crabtree? Michael Crabtree revived his football career in Oakland because of Derek Carr. Amari Cooper, we haven't seen Amari Cooper play with any other quarterback other than Derek Carr. So to see those two top-notch wide receivers, I mean, really, in my opinion, that's if you want to give me a good number one and number two receiver, they're up there, along with Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, which we'll get into because the Chiefs shut those guys down this past week, this past Christmas, actually, on Sunday Night Football. But the thing is, with the Raiders, and the Raiders being a top story, and of course it's a big deal to us because that's a team that, for one, the Chiefs are keeping an eye on this weekend, and two, there's a possibility, and I said this before, I don't feel confident anymore in, in my in my statement, in my guarantee, because of the Derek Carr in, injury. But still, there's a chance that these two teams could play each other for a third time this year. And listen, we've seen crazy things happen. We we saw what happened when Trent Green went down with an injury, and Kurt Warner led the Rams to a Super Bowl win. Dak Prescott, I, I think he's been. The the craziest story this season for the Dallas Cowboys. Filling in for Tony Romo being a fourth round draft pick. And him and Ezekiel Elliott, both rookie QBs and running back. Starting for this football team and how far they've gotten. Nobody saw that coming at all. So there was always this crazy chance. That crazy slim chance uh, that comes through in which... This Raiders team suddenly might even be better without Derek Carr. Who knows? You know, listen, we saw, I think this is a, a, the most perfect example as Chiefs fans. We saw Alex Smith go down midway through the season and Colin Kaepernick takes over and takes the 49ers to the Super Bowl. So, this is this is not anything new. We have, we have seen this uh, in history. A little bit recently, too, in which... Just because your your starting quarterback goes down doesn't mean it's all over. Look, at the end of the day, the Raiders have a chance to do something. They are going to be one of 12 teams in the playoffs. So if they can do it right, they could still sneak into the Super Bowl. They might be viewed, they, they could still earn a two seed, but they will still be viewed as a six seed among a lot of people's eyes. A lot of people think they could be the one and none. That's the popular answer. I think that's still. But I'm not going to rule out the possibility and say that, you know, if Joe Schmo wants to predict that the Raiders are going to go to the Super Bowl with great play from Matt McGloin, look, I'm not going to I'm not going to call you a moron for it because we we just saw it not too long ago, a couple of years ago with Colin Kaepernick and the 49ers, which is crazy how times change and what's going on now with Cap in, in, in San Francisco. And December is truly the worst Month. I mean, that's when the intensity picks up. Everyone's trying to fight hard, going 100%, even though they're tired as hell from this long, treacherous season. But at the end of the day, man, those December injuries just flat out suck. Because, number one, players like Derek Carr and Derek Johnson, those are guys who are trying to help their teams with a big playoff push going into January. And not only that, because those guys got injured and Derek Carr's injury is, you know, easier to recover from going into next season. But suffering a big injury in December 
kind of puts a question mark as to whether or not you'll be ready for next training camp. I know as Chiefs fans, everyone's thinking about the possibility of, of, a, of a Super Bowl at this point because the Chiefs are in the playoffs. But, you know, from Derek Johnson's perspective, sure, he'll still be there helping the football team, trying to get them familiar with the... Uh, with the defense even more and let them know what, what they should do with their new roles as starters. But at the same time, he's pretty much in a, in a mo- he's in off season mode. He's got to do what he, what he can to come back strong for next season. So uh, these players, even though they still want to be there with their teams to help them through, uh, they're thinking about 2017 and what they can do to be ready f- for training camp in late July or early August. It's a position you never want to be. I mean, like I said, December injuries are the worst. Because look, both the Chiefs and the Raiders are Super Bowl contending teams. I mean, the Chiefs could still win a Super Bowl without Derek Johnson. It's going to be nice and all, but it would suck to to see them the Chiefs do it. Normally, I don't feel bad for players when they get injured like this, but you know, when, when it's a team you're so familiar with, like Jamal Charles, uh, the players and Derek Johnson. I mean, those are two of the most humble guys among many on this Chiefs roster that you'll find. And you feel for them. Sure, they make a lot more money than you and I do, but you still feel for them at the end of the day. Those are two guys who have been with the franchise forever. I mean, they have seen the good and the worst of this franchise the past 10 I mean what more than 10 years for Derek Johnson almost 10 years for Jamal Charles and for these guys to not be able to be there on a possible Super Bowl winning season it sucks man uh I mean I I and I hate to say it but the the Chiefs have found ways to win more games without Jamal Charles I and, and I don't credit that to Jamal Jamal's absence, but I credit that more to the Chiefs just trying to expand and not rely on Jamal so much. And I'm trying to think what would have been so different if the Chiefs were to do that. In 2011, the Chiefs kind of went on a surge after his injury. Same with last season, and you know they they they. I mean, Charles was already hurt to begin the, to begin with, but they're still doing great without him, and they're they're more versatile. And I'm kind of wondering what that would have been like if they discovered that before. His injuries. That's uh, you know no, I don't want to get too detailed with that topic. I, I still think it's a topic for maybe an off season subject. But uh, the whole the whole deal with these two guys, DJ and Jamal, and you know I'll even say this for Derek Carr. And I know his position is different because without him, the Raiders really. I mean, you 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 can't like like I said with the possibilities, the whole craziness of backup QBs from time to time that we've seen. It's possible, but it's extremely rare. It it happens once in a while. At the same time, you know, here's the thing with, with football. People say it stands for not for long. You never know with Derek Carr, man. This could have been the Super Bowl winning season for him. And what if Derek Carr suffers another injury that just derails the rest of his football career? I think as Raiders fans, they would look back at this season and say, man, we could have won the Super Bowl this year had it not been for that injury against the Colts. And I think that's just a position you never want to find yourself in. And, you know, for for the Chiefs, knock on wood, but ho- hopefully they can keep the rest of their team healthy, 
Because at this point, you really need all of your guys on your team moving forward. And, and look, who's to say something can't happen this weekend to your quarterback or your tight end? And we've seen how much the Chiefs have used Kelsey and Hill. And it'll be interesting to see how they use them in this game. Especially if, if the Raiders are blowing out Denver. You you have to be scoreboard watching. Both games will be happening simultaneously at the same time. If I'm not mistaken, at 3:25, both games. So, as fans, you definitely want to look at this and hope that if the Raiders are blowing out the Broncos, look, screw it, do what you did four years ago or three years ago, pardon me, and put in all 22 starters because what's the use at that point? Sure, yeah, you might be still playing for a five seed over a six seed, but. At the end of the day, in my opinion, I don't know if holding a five seed is much different than holding a six seed. You're still going on the road. The only difference is if both the five and six seeds remain alive throughout the entire postseason, then whoever the five seed is would be hosting uh, the AFC title game, which again is, is is extremely rare. It's happened once in a while. So, I mean, the biggest thing, and I'll get to it later when we break down the game between the Chiefs and Chargers, be healthy. Leave San Diego healthy because you're going to need all 53 guys plus whoever's on your practice squad that you may want to promote or if you want to do some transactions there. Leave San Diego healthy, come back to Kansas City in one piece, and get ready for whoever you might play at home or whoever you will visit. And again, that, that, that depends on what could happen this weekend. But I do want to get into the the game between the Chiefs and Broncos, and there's not too much to say about it. Uh, it's it was just a really bad performance for the Denver Broncos in this football game. Trevor Simeon, seventeen of forty three passing. It's the second time a quarterback came into Arrowhead uh, this month. Uh, the other being Derek Carr with a really bad uh, completion to attempt ratio, and just a, just had a really bad football game. We saw that with Derek Carr not too long ago on Thursday Night Football. In fact, Carr was 17 of 41, close to what Simeon was in this game, 17 of 43. Now the Chiefs, (laughs) this almost looked like something we've seen in recent games. One great quarter and and silence the rest of the way, Uh, but but it wasn't. The Chiefs did get off to that dynamic start. Uh, You saw that touchdown pass to... Uh, Travis Kelsey on that on that bubble screen right there got some big blocks and just ran the rest of the way and with his speed you know you can get a lot of yards out of him and of course he got the end zone on that play right there Tyreek Hill with that nice rush for the Kansas City Chiefs that 70 yard touchdown run great blocking from Travis Kelsey uh, at the end there uh, to get that one last final block that Tyreek Hill needed to break away. And, of course, you know he had to do a little bit of dodging himself, which is what he's capable of doing, making some defenders miss. And he, he just ran all the way through. And the Chiefs used him quite a bit in the ground game, six times for 95 yards. Uh, if you take away that 70-yard touchdown run, he ran five times for 15 yards compared to Spencer Ware's 13 carries for 62 yards, which, which that's those numbers right there. So that's a 4.8 yard per carry average against a very weak rush defense. So that is exactly 
what the Chiefs were supposed to do against a bad rush defense like the Broncos. Now, the Broncos kind of picked up on Tyreek Hill. They were able to close in on him right away, but the damage was already done. He already had that big play, and the Chiefs got a big play from Travis Kelsey, Alex Smith with that nice fake. He went into the end zone, and the Chiefs are using Tyreek Hill, even though, like I said, they closed in on him quite a bit in this game. They still used him as a decoy quite a bit to... Open up a lot of things. And that is what I said last week on the podcast. I said, look, the Chiefs have to open up that playbook. I talked about how football coaches in the NFL, college, and even high school, they've got thick playbooks. It's it's a pretty thick book. It's big. And there's a lot you can do. And the Chiefs did exactly that in this game. Perhaps that loss to Tennessee was a wake-up call. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and say it was worth the wake-up call. Maybe if the Chiefs end up winning the division, which would require defeating San Diego and the Broncos defeating the Raiders, maybe then I might say, okay, it was worth it. But as of right now, I, I, I don't know. Maybe they still end up with a wild card as, as a 5-seed or a 6-seed. Who knows? And that could still be the wake-up call in which the Chiefs go undefeated all the way through. I don't know. And I'll be honest, I never said this, but after that Raiders win, I kind of thought to myself, with three games left and the postseason, what if the Chiefs were to go undefeated all the way through? I mean, that's kind of a scary thing to say, because do you really think the Chiefs are capable of winning six or seven in a row, including the playoffs? And they had been winning a lot of games already at that point. So to sit there on early December and say they won't lose another game until February, I don't know. To me, that was a little nerve-wracking. So with that with that loss to Tennessee, of course you saw the, the urgency of wanting to do much better. Travis Kelsey even called out Andy Reid a little bit in one of his interviews saying, hey, look, other than play calling, I don't know what else we could have done the rest of the game. So it was great to see that the Chiefs had that wake-up call. And by the way, Denver, of course, got got a touchdown in this game. But let me just say this. And, and listen, Denver's no cupcake team. I know they might finish 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7. and seven, but at the end of the day, this is the defending Super Bowl champions. They started off the season 4-0. and And I think that's going to be some something that the Broncos are going to deal with because starting off like that and finishing like this, definitely something John Elway's not going to be happy about. But this is the defending Super Bowl champions who you swept and officially eliminated them from making the playoffs. So the Chiefs have had some statement wins this season. I mentioned those two games on the road, Denver and Atlanta. This is also a statement game. And, and you know, the whole thing, I, I was talking about opening up the playbook. All right, well, for all these times we were complaining about how the Chiefs get too cute and some of their plays don't work, that Dontari Poe touchdown got everybody on their feet. And shocker, people have to complain about something after a... 33 to 10 victory over the Broncos, which by the way, you swept the Broncos for the first time since 2000. It's Christmas. You clinched a playoff spot. Someone has to complain about something. I, I mean, it's like that kid on Christmas who got so much from his rich parents, but there, there's still something to complain about. Not completely happy. Not never satisfied. Never enough. Something's. I mean, you've got to complain about something. 
Chiefs fans are talking about, some Chiefs fans, I should say, are talking about how they should have saved that play for the playoffs and how Belichick is going to study the Chiefs. Look, Andy Reid's no dummy. He knows that he just exposed that play out there to the world. But listen, as I said, expand the playbook. Look what we saw this week that we never saw before. That is the play calling we wanted to see from Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs. And at the end of the day, that touchdown pass from Dontari Poe to Demetrius Harris, that got everyone on their feet. I wrote wholly explicit on Twitter when that happened. And I, I, I had to hit the rewind button on my DirecTV remote five times to watch it. I, I don't want to see NBC's replay. I wanted to see my replay. I wanted to hear the roar of the crowd right when he threw it to Harris. Because everyone thought, okay, all right, he's obviously going to push himself in. Then he jumps. And by the way, when he jumped at the five-yard line, I thought he was going to do the whole Priest Holmes, try to jump over from that far. But then he puts his hands up and throws the football. And I thought, oh, my God. Andy Reid did it. He showed us and pretty much proved us wrong that he can call the right plays. So let's see more of that kind of Andy Reid play calling. Not the jet sweep at the, what, five-yard line that, that didn't work. Now, by the way, here's the thing. If Dontari Poe overthrows that pass, the narrative, oh, the Chiefs got too cute. Uh, that You know, eliminate that play from the playbook. Trick plays are called trick plays for a reason. You gamble big, you risk a lot. And if it works... You get a big reward there. Every single person is going to be talking about Dontari Poe. And Dontari Poe is going to be pretty much shown on every single highlight reel on ESPN, NFL Network, FS1, CBS, you name it. He's going to be the guy on the front page of NFL.com and USA Today and so on. ESPN.com. And oh, and on top of that. There are already people who have Madden challenges now where they're putting Dontari Poe at quarterback. Which you can, you can edit, for those who don't know, you can actually edit players on Madden uh, without going online, that is. Uh, you can change their position, and now there are people who are actually trying to play uh, the, with the Chiefs, putting Dontari Poe at quarterback. And Madden kind of has this unique, uh, I don't know, I don't even know what it's called. I'm not that too into Madden. I just play the game regularly, but... I know they also have these creative teams that you can design, and then you can also get what they're called out-of-position players. Kind of like a Mike Vrabel slash Jared Allen kind of deal where uh, a defensive player comes on offense, and they're already using Dontari Poe as a fullback slash tight end. Now they're going to have to come out with something to, to put him out at quarterback. So not only does this, of course, look good for your football team, but there is that marketing perspective the whole Madden thing, like everyone is now using Dontari Poe as a quarterback. I know Andy Reid and the Chiefs don't even give a damn about video games, but let's be honest. That is still something fans make a big deal of and think, oh, okay, let me go. D- Dante Hall, when he was going wild in his games, every single person wanted to use Dante Hall on Madden because he was the most exciting player in the NFL at that time. He was even considered as an MVP candidate. 
So with everything you see in the Chiefs and what they're doing, what they're capable of doing, yeah, uh, get, scoring, scoring on a pick two to win a football game, you know, the field goal off the upright, Dontari Poe, your nose tackle, throwing a touchdown pass to seal the game. Which, by the way, you know, to me, this, I mean, you saw some exciting stuff early on in the game, but, you know, Tyreek Hill running for 70 yards and Travis Kelsey scoring on a screen, I mean, that's not something new we've seen. We've seen those plays before, but the hold on Tari Poe throwing the football like the way he did to the like a like a basketball fade shot, um, that, that just got you on your feet as a Chiefs fan. You got ecstatic for that, and that is what this fan base needs going into Week 17 and then going into the postseason after that. And boy, I'd love a bye week because we know Andy Reid's history. When it comes to a full bye week, because and even with the with the extra three days, on most occasions when the Chiefs play on a Thursday night, uh, Andy Reid takes advantage of that too. The treats it like a full bye week. So for the Chiefs and everything they have done to recover, and by the way, it's just funny to me because the when the Chiefs have a rare loss, and by the way, they they have lost. Only once per month this season. Once in September, once in October, in November, and in December. The Chiefs have lost once per month this year. Now, if they're going to lose in January, hopefully that once per month crap comes in on January 1st. Because that's a, that's a regular season game. If, if, for whatever reason, losing this week guaranteed you a Super Bowl and not a home game... Of course you take it. Why not? You have to. But you get the idea. After, you know, when the Chiefs have a rare loss, there are some fans on Twitter who overreact. They act like it's the end of the world. And I even wrote a Facebook post. I had to speak up and say something. I said, look, I I, I don't see you Alex Smith and Andy Reid haters. Where are you guys? And I got some response. Oh, I'm still here. Which, by the way, Facebook.com slash SportscasterFarzine. That's my Facebook. My Twitter is Twitter.com slash Farzine21. You know, I got some people telling me, oh, well, I'm still here, by the way. Okay, what are you saying? Nothing. You're not saying anything. You're silent. And I don't know. I guess it's the cool thing to do to bash on Andy Reid and Alex Smith after a rare loss because I guess you're supposed to go 19-0 these days. I don't know. Bill Belichick spoke out recently and said, coaches get fired way too quickly in the NFL today. There, listen, thank God some fans don't run a football team. Because there are some fans who called for Andy Reid's job after the Tampa Bay loss and after the Tennessee loss. So because someone lost two games, one in November, one in December, which by the way were the only two losses in, in the months of November and December, and by the way, let me just say this. The Chiefs, I'm, I'm going to read to you who the Chiefs played in the months of November and December. They played the Jaguars, who really bad football team, but they still had some competitive games. The Panthers, defending NFC champions. The Buccaneers, who have gone on a surge. The Broncos, reigning Super Bowl champions. The Falcons, number one scoring offense in the NFL. The Raiders, probably the most dynamic offense in the NFL. The Titans, a, a team that really came a long way this season compared to last season with their young offense. 
the Broncos, again, reigning Super Bowl champions. Those are who the Chiefs played in the months of November and December. And in those eight games, the Chiefs went 6-2. and two. If, by the way, I'm going to tell you all a big secret right now. If your coach guides you, your your favorite team, to a 6-2 and two record in the months of November and December, uh, unless you were 0-8 to start the season, you pretty much made the playoffs. There's no way you missed the playoffs by going 6-2 and two in the months of November and December. Because, like I said, once November starts... That intensity it builds up. Here's the thing about football, man. It's a quick season. It really is. It's one game per week. And when you think about that one game, okay, it's on to the next. And next thing you know, you're halfway through the season and it's it's the end of December. Now, for the Chiefs and all the NFL teams, of course, December or January 1st is when the NFL season ends. But this the, 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 the sport of football is so weird because, and I said this at the beginning of the season, you only have 16 games to prove yourself. That's not a lot. 16 is not a lot. Whereas in baseball, you have 162 games. You could lose 16 in a row and then win the go and win, what, 20 in a row. Now, that's unrealistic in the sport of baseball. What I'm saying is that's possible. You could lose 10 straight and maybe still make it into the playoffs. I mean, the baseball season is a long one, whereas in football, it, it it goes by quick. College and high school, they're a lot shorter, so their seasons go by even quicker. And that's the one thing I really hate about the sport of football, is just the how it starts, and then boom, it just ends like that. That is football, man. The sport that we love the most, even though the, you can say what you want about the ratings going out, it's still the, the, the sport that people watch. It goes by in a blink of an eye. It really does. And Andy Reid, you know, the the, the coach that Chiefs fans, uh, and I say Chiefs fans, I should say some Chiefs fans, some Chiefs fans like to bash and call for his job and, and want him fired. I just think people forget that he is now in the top 10 all time for most wins by a head coach in the NFL. I really do think that we forget just how successful of a head coach Andy Reid's been. The only thing he hasn't done is win a Super Bowl. This is who the Chiefs needed. And here he is giving the he's made the Chiefs relevant. The Chiefs were relevant for just a little bit from 07 to 2012 and that was when they won the AFC West in 2010. And here they are with Andy Reid Going from the worst team to in the NFL in 2012 with that 90-0 start, the last team in the NFL to lose a football game. Andy Reid has set the tone for what this franchise should be. Hank Stram, if you include his record with the Dallas Texans, he won 124 football games for you. Marty Schottenheimer won 101 games for you. The only two coaches to win 100 games for you in Chiefs history, and then again, that includes the Texans' records, Hank Stram and Marty Schottenheimer. Now, who's next on that list of most wins in Chiefs history? It's Dick Vermeil with 44, and right behind him is Andy Reid with 41. 
And we all know how, how everything, you know, that Gunther Cunningham era, very forgettable era. Thankfully, it was brief. Uh, I like him as a defensive-minded guy, not a head coach. But when Dick Vermeule came in, he really turned this football club around. He absolutely did. And, uh, you know, he was only around for six seasons. Or five seasons, excuse me. But in the five years he did that, he helped the Chiefs go 44-36. and 36. And, of course, had that crazy 2003 season. And I think the Chiefs were definitely... Super Bowl contenders in 2005, but 10 and 6 was enough that season to go into the playoffs. Right behind Dick Vermeil is Andy Reid, and Andy Reid, God forbid, the Chiefs could lose their first playoff game, 41 nothing or 49 nothing. You know, I, I, I'm still on the Andy Reid bandwagon, man. You you you, can, you don't fire him even with a bad playoff loss. This is a guy who has turned your franchise around and has done a lot. To bring this football team to where they are right now. And this is, I think, a a great stat itself. With the Texans, Hank Stram had a 642 winning percentage. Just a couple years there, of course. Three seasons. Hank Stram with the Chiefs, 622 winning percentage. Marty Scheinheimer in his time with the Chiefs from 89 to 98. 634 winning percentage. Andy Reid can do better. He has a 661 winning percentage. And by the way, only three head coaches in franchise history have won a playoff game. Hank Stram, Marty Schottenheimer, and Andy Reid. So next time you want to bash Andy Reid and talk about how he should be fired, well, first of all, look where he's brought your team. Look how far he's he's taken this football team and how much he's made them relevant. And look what he's done in uh, compared to other coaches in Chiefs history. With all due respect to Dick Vermeil, who, you know, of, of course might be the best coach in to have ever coached the Chiefs. Only thing is, his time with the Chiefs was very short, and had he had a couple more years, I think he could have brought the Super Bowl to Kansas City. He just did it. If he had the same amount of time as Marty or Hank, he definitely brings the Super Bowl to Kansas City. Give Andy Reid the same amount of time as Hank and, and Marty, He's bringing a Super Bowl to Kansas City. He will. He'll bring that Lombardi trophy on the ride home to the KCI airport and put it out Arrowhead Stadium. So the next time we want to talk about Andy Reid and how one bad loss, all right, let's fire the guy. Well, look what he's done in franchise history. And again, with all due respect to Dick Vermeule, you know, he, he hasn't, he, he just didn't, he, he just wasn't able to do it when he coached the Chiefs. Herm Edwards, I know, I know his time in Kansas City was very bad, 15 and 33, but I think he deserves some props because he was the guy who, he was actually the first coach in Chiefs history to take a team to the playoffs in his first season. So yeah, he used Dick Vermeil's guy to do it, fine. But Andy Reid, he actually took Romeo Cornell and Todd Haley's guys, which, we all know how bad those two guys were as head coaches and may, may went into the playoffs. So there have been a lot of, you know, good coaches and chiefs. Obviously, Hank, Marty, uh, you know, Marv Levy wasn't so successful here in Kansas City. Kind of similar to how Belichick wasn't successful with the Browns. But there are some really good coaches who have had decorated careers, who have been with the Chiefs at one point or another. And with all due respect to anybody who has coached this football team, in my mind, 
even if he were to retire right now, Andy Reid's the best coach in Chiefs history. He absolutely is. Now, hopefully he has the same amount of time as Marty and Hank. Because if he does, I'd love to see if he can put up more than 101 wins for this franchise. He already has a better winning percentage than Marty Schottenheimer. So if he were to go at that pace, he's bringing you... He's going to give you a lot of winning seasons. And one other thing Andy Reid has done, that the last five coaches, or four coaches, pardon me, Vermeil, Edwards, Haley, and Cornell could not do. Andy Reid's given us four winning seasons. Four seasons above 500, and back-to-back playoff appearances. That has not happened since the 90s with Gunther Cunningham. So think about it next time you want to go on this attack Andy Reid monologue on your Facebook and Twitter and say he should be fired. Well, why don't we look at the positives and go crazy about how how great of a coach he is after a win? Because that's what we should be doing with a guy like Andy Reid. I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you even, I'll put it this way. You know, when I say, and I mentioned this, uh, I believe, last podcast, uh, because I was responding to the fans who wanted Andy Reid fired, and here was my thing. I said, if you're going to fire someone, you have to bring someone better. You just have to. You cannot fire someone and bring someone who's going to have your team do even worse. So here's what I want Chiefs fans. Again, these are the ones who are Andy Reid naysayers to look at. Because Andy Reid's record, or, or pardon me, the Chiefs' record, I should say, with Andy Reid, 41 and 21. Three playoff games, one playoff win. And by the way, he's going to get, a, at the very least, a fourth playoff win. So three playoff appear, uh, appearances, uh, the three different seasons in which the Chiefs will be in the playoffs with Andy Reid. The Philadelphia Eagles, in their four seasons without Andy Reid, only one playoff appearance. And they lost in the first game right there. They won the division that year. Still couldn't get the job done. That was with Chip Kelly and Nick Foles, all those guys. Since then, the Eagles have not been to the playoffs. They started off 3-0 this season with Doug Peterson. And hey, I root for former Chiefs players, former Chiefs assistant coaches when they move on. Uh, Doug Peterson just just flat out failed this year after a great start. You know Carson Wentz, a lot was made of him and how he could be a, can- a candidate for Rookie of the Year. No, it didn't even happen. So in the four years, and again, keep in mind there's one game left uh, this season, so we don't know the final full numbers quite yet. But in the almost four years. Kansas City's record is 42 and 21 with Andy Reid. The Eagles without Andy Reid are 33 and 30. And again, the Chiefs have three seasons with a playoff appearance, including this year. The Eagles only one. So you tell me how much the Eagles miss Andy Reid. They hired Andy Reid's assistant. That's how much they are pretty much. That's basically admitting that you made the worst decision possible in firing Andy Reid. Yeah, sure, he had a couple bad seasons, which I I feel like 
at the time, that could have been the right call, especially with the way the Eagles were going down. But at the end of the day, for some reason, Andy Reid just happened to bounce back when he got a change of scenery. I don't know. I mean, it just happens sometimes. So you look at that Eagles front office and everything they've gone through with Chip Kelly and now Doug Peterson, kind of a rough start to the Doug Peterson era. They're going to finish last in the AFC or uh, NFC East. I think it's safe to say that the Chiefs won that deal right there. Firing Andy Reid was the best thing that happened to the Chiefs. Of course, the Eagles firing Andy Reid. So you tell me, if, if you think that, you know, when a rare loss happens, even if the Chiefs get blown out in their first playoff game, you really think Andy firing Andy Reid is the solution? Okay, who are you going to bring? Jeff Fisher? We know his career just flat out sucks right now. Let's just be direct about that. You're not getting Bill Belichick. You're probably not going to get, you know, someone who's sitting on the desk of CBS or NBC, and I'm referring to guys like Bill Cowher and Tony Dungy, because those guys, if they wanted to coach, they would have come back by now. And I'll say this, coaching is such a stressful job. I give credit to guys like Andy Reid, uh, Marvin Lewis, uh, uh, Tom Coughlin, who, who is being interviewed for the Jaguars job, uh, Belichick, guys who who have still been coaching for a long time, because it is a stressful job. It really is. And those guys sitting at those anchor desks, they want to stay there. It's a less stressful job, and they're still making a pretty penny. So tell me, Chiefs fans, for those who want Andy Reid fired, who who who's going to be the right replacement? If you if you don't think Andy Reid's the guy, after all the numbers I read to you, everything he's done, and this week. The way he expanded that playbook. And he did it against a Denver defense that went to the Super Bowl. That's no the, the, That Denver defense is no pushover. And the offense went out there and scored 33 points. So you tell me, Chiefs fans. For those who, who, for those who are super critical after one loss each month. Let's go around the NFL. Hey, look, congratulations to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, that, that was pretty cool. I was watching the end of that game, and there weren't a lot of people at that stadium, but it was loud as heck when the Chargers missed that field goal in the end there, which, by the way, the Chargers have been awful on special teams. That's why the Chiefs were able to come back uh, against the Chargers because of their rookie punter. Uh, just horrible in that game. So th- that was a lot of fun to watch. The, hearing the roar of the crowd when, when, the, when the Browns Got that win on that missed field goal. Uh, congratulations. That, that team's been through a lot. It, it kind of reminded me of when KU won against Texas. That was a huge win. I mean, the, te- the Longhorns aren't good or anything this year, but still, it's the Texas Longhorns. I, I, that, that was a special win. So, uh, good for the Browns. They really do deserve it. Of course, during Christmas time, it was Christmas Eve. Uh, it, it just felt good to be a Browns fan for that moment, knowing that, you know, hopefully there's... There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Hopefully, this Browns team can can be competitive. I, I mean, I'd love to see them do that. You know, I, I've been a fan of the Chiefs and Royals for a long time, so I know what it's like. So I'll never make fun of another sports franchise for bad years because no no fan base deserves that. Man, that many years of losing, that long drought that the Browns have gone through. Uh, I, I hope there. I hope that fan base gets rewarded in a big time real soon. 
All right, well, Rex Ryan has been the first casualty. As we all know, NFL general managers and owners, they're all working together to find new head coaches. And Bill Belichick mentioned, you know, coaches get fired too soon a lot in this league. But that's the way it is. Uh, You got to win now. Otherwise, everyone's impatient, especially with this social media era that we're in and the way fans voice their opinions. But let me say this about Rex Ryan. Um, it's, It's unfortunate to see him in this position. He had two amazing seasons with the Jets, whereas wildcard seeded teams, he took them to the AFC title game two years in a row in, in his first two years as, as a coach, a head coach, I should say. So, to see him go from that to this, it's tough. Uh, it just show, Like I said, the NFL really does stand for not, not for long. Uh, it, it, you know, you can have the highs one moment, but then things can just go low for, for the rest of your career. I hope he has another head coaching opportunity, at least not right now. Maybe down the road would be a, a better time, maybe maybe a couple of years in the, in the future, because uh, he's got to take some time to be an assistant, to maybe learn the roles of a head coach and be a little bit better next time he gets a, gets a shot. I know he's going to get a shot. He absolutely will. Now is not the right time, though. And listen, I know we want to see the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, but this would be kind of a funny thing to see. The Giants and the the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Uh, I mean, we've only seen the Patriots lose to the Giants a couple times in the Super Bowl in recent history. So, you know, uh, what's the worst that can happen? Uh, Victor Cruz uh, made a statement, I guess, in an article saying that uh, the Patriots would not want to see the Giants. There was a meme out there of Tom Brady uh, frustrated, and the caption read, "This is w- w- how Tom Brady reacted when he heard the Giants clutch the playoff spot." So, uh, I got a nice chuckle from that. Look, man, uh, Tom Brady's a human. Sure, he's the superstar. He- he's not superstitious. Whatever. He does not want the Giants in the playoffs. If there are two things that Tom Brady does, does not want to see in his life, it's Bernard Pollard and the New York Giants. Let's go out of bounds. Hey, look, what do you know? The NBA fined the Indiana Pacers star Paul George $15,000 and coach Nate McMullen $10,000 for publicly criticizing officials. Is the First Amendment not allowed in the NBA? And look, I have a lot of respect for Adam Silver with what he did early in his career as a commissioner and the whole Donald Sterling situation with the Clippers. But you've got to change the policy on finding players and coaches for rightfully criticizing officials. Look, officials get the get a lot of wrong calls in sports. They do. And I think they deserve some of the criticism. I get they don't make as much money as the players and coaches, guys in league office and whatnot. Okay, so at this point, if you're not allowed to blame the officials... Start blaming the league. Start blaming the front office. Because those are the guys who are constantly letting this happen. And when someone's rightfully disgruntled, they're not allowed to really speak their mind. And I think that's just... It's its asinine. You've got to change that. We live in a country where we have the First Amendment. We're allowed to speak about what's on our mind. As long as no one's saying anything horrible. Come on now. Okay, Ronda Rousey is being excused from media availability 
and Dana White, uh, the UFC president. And by the way, Ronda Rousey, of course, has her big return to the UFC. She's got that big fight against Amanda Nunes after a 13-month absence from her previous loss. Um, look, Ronda really has this tough girl act like she's better than everybody else and that... You know, Dana White made the excuse that, you know, she's done media more than anyone in UFC history and she's the biggest star in UFC history, so she should be excused from talking to the media this week. Okay, fine. And then he went on to say, well, she's been talking to Ellen and she's been on Conan. Listen, Ellen and Conan are not reporters. They're not going to ask the hard-pressed questions that a real MMA reporter would ask. Listen, if I was Ronda Rousey, I would want to dodge those reporters too because she she did some things in her time away. She was known for berating another UFC superstar because she congratulated Holly Holm for defeating uh, Ronda Rousey. That being Paige Van Zant, who some of you may be familiar with her because she was on Dancing with the Stars. Ronda Rousey went off on her because she congratulated Holly Holm. It's funny because right before her fight against Holly Holm, she wrote had this Instagram pic where she said all these nasty things about Holly Holm, said all these bad words about her, then deleted the picture after the loss. Go figure. Uh, apparently, she blocked Amanda Nunes, unfollowed her, and blocked Amanda Nunes on Instagram. Uh, so, I don't know, man. Uh, obviously, there's an insecurity issue there, but... Do you really need to be excused from your media obligations? Just talk to the media. This whole, oh, I need to focus on the fight. Okay, come on. Enough. I already hate it when NFL players... Listen, I've been around Chiefs and Royals players after... And KU football players, too, after many losses. And those guys take it like men. They take it like champs. They meet the media. They address the issues. And then they move on with their lives. Ronda lost one fight and she's crying like a kid. Grow up. Alright, one thing I've got to rant about. Of course, Christmas time. I went out and I got a new iPhone. And, you know, I I checked out the Apple Store. And checked out to to see what cool things they have with the laptops. And I like the touchscreen they have on their trackbar. But they don't have any USB ports. USB jacks. Uh, Listen, I'm not the technology guy, so I don't know the right term. Uh, instead, they have something new called USB-C. Listen, I have a microphone attached to this computer using a USB port right now. A USB plug. If I got that new laptop, I could not use this microphone. Now, I'm sure there are USB cords that you could use to convert, but that's just money right there. It's like when the iPhone, when they switch their uh, their, their battery, the, the chargers. Uh, these are just guys sitting on their thrones thinking, what else can we come up with to make more money? <laughs> oh, it'd be so good to be uh, one of those guys working on technology. Time to throw some flags. Okay, you're going to notice a theme here with these uh, penalty flags. Uh, they're all from social media, so... Be smart on social media, kids. Uh, the first one is Will Peterson. He uh, he's a he's a Broncos fan. Also covers the Broncos out in Denver. He wrote a tweet saying, "Chiefs tight end." By the way, Travis Kelsey was out on a Friday night at Westport. You know, drinking with fans. You know, having fun. What not? You know, like a young single guy would. So, in his twenties, he he can have fun. 
Uh, he says, Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey clearly isn't taking the Broncos real seriously. He partied all night in KC. Here are picks from about 1.30 this morning. That being Saturday morning. Uh, so apparently if you're out, what, 30 to 40 hours before your game, uh, if you're out drinking, uh, you're apparently not taking the Broncos seriously. By the way, I, I posted this on the Facebook page and some, fan, some fans are saying, I quoted him saying that he said that the that Kelsey isn't taking the Chiefs seriously. People are thinking I was saying that. No, that's a flag on you guys, okay? Uh, you guys need to learn how to read social media. Some of you guys. Uh, Facebook.com slash SportsCasterFarzine and Twitter.com slash Farzine21. Cheap way to plug the, the social media again. But, yeah, uh, doesn't look like uh, he took the Broncos seriously. So I quoted the tweet... I said, 11 catches, 160 yards, and a touchdown. With those stats, no one should take the Broncos. Seriously. Look, I know I, earlier I said the Broncos defense is no pushover, but come on. Kelsey just kind of pushed him over. Okay, the next flag goes to Jeremy Lulu Lewis. That's his Facebook name. He commented on our Facebook page. Uh, I, you know, I, I know some of you guys come to me because you're expecting me for... for updates on the Chiefs, which I get, and I appreciate. That's that's part of the reason why we have the Facebook page. Um, I, I wrote all the seeding possibilities for the Chiefs for this weekend, going into the playoffs, and Jeremy wrote thank you, caption obvious. So he, he just called me caption obvious. I don't know what caption obvious is. Uh, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> uh, all I'm trying to do is be the nice guy to help you guys, you know, be up to speed on on, on certain things. And I don't know. I guess uh, Jeremy Lulu Lewis Lulu here uh, wrote, "Thank you." Caption obvious. I'm just reading how he spelled it, guys. He called me caption obvious. Okay, there have been a lot of deaths lately. Uh, it's just every day there's like a new death. And people keep talking about how 2016 has just been a horrible year. Um, just for Men tweeted something which is promoted. So it's on your Twitter page automatically. Uh, just Someone from Just for Men tweeted, 2016 has been a year of losses. Which team is going to win in Houston tonight? What does that mean? What the hell does this mean? First of all, whoever wrote this, it should be caption obvious that you don't you don't talk about deaths in this manner. You just don't. So whoever the caption obvious was in writing that tweet for Just For Men needs to be fired. And it should be caption obvious that Just For Men should be looking for a new social media manager. They just have to be. You, whoever wrote this should caption obviously be fired. <laughs> uh, sorry, Lulu. Uh, Jeremy Lulu Lewis, that is. Love you, Lulu, but you kind of set yourself up for that one, buddy. You really did. It, you know, it's a lot like on Twitter. It, it just always happens. People always say you're an idiot to someone, and they always use the wrong you're. Um, which is funny because I mentioned earlier, whoever, uh, you know, there were a couple people who were putting words in my mouth saying I was the one who said Kelsey is not taking the Broncos seriously. Uh, and a guy was attacking me and then he used the wrong your, 
Uh, you listen, here's the thing. I'm not a, a grammar Nazi, as they say, I guess. Uh, but if you're going to go after someone, use use correct grammar. You know, if you want to make someone else look stupid, well, do yourself a favor and don't make yourself look stupid. That's I said. There's a theme with the penalty flags. It's social media, man. Uh, people people really write stupid stuff. It's crazy. People have lost their jobs because of things they write on social media. Uh, you've got to be very careful with what you say before you hit the send button. There's your free advice here on the Chiefs Zone podcast. <laughs> That's how kind I am. I mean, look, it's one thing if you want to compare the offense to picking flowers because that's actually a funny comment, <laughs> which I still cannot get over. But then there are certain things that other people say, like the, the 2016 has been a year of losses. Who's who's going to win in Houston tonight? What does that mean? What the hell does that mean? Um, it's the same thing we talked about the KU cheerleader who... You know, she claimed someone else did it, but she wrote uh, KKK go Trump, and she had three of her team cheerleader teammates who had ugly sweaters with the K's on them to represent the old KU logo, and they lined up their shirts red KKK. Uh, for those who haven't uh, heard, we, I talked about this on a previous podcast. Um, but yeah, it's and then she claimed she did not put it on Snapchat. People screenshot everything, uh, so... Even if it's out there for a split second, it might be too late, even if you delete it. And some tweets should be deleted. They just should be. I mentioned Ronda Rousey deleted hers. We're in an era now where, you know, Donald Trump and John Jones and that high school girl, uh, you know, they write weird things and then they delete them two seconds later because they're like, oh, no, I don't want that to come off wrong. Well, think about before you post it, dummy. I mean, social media has seriously given us... A really clear indication as to who the smart one is and who the dumb ones are. I mean, we we people. It's really bad because people are buying a lot of fake news stories that are on social media nowadays. Like people, like whatever you see on Facebook, any headline, people think that's that's true or something, and they don't look at the real source. It's the world we live in, though, and uh, it kind of frightens me with if, if, if we can improve on that or, or will it only get worse with things like that. Social media, it's got its, it's, got its positives. It really does. But it also has its bad side. And as I mentioned, Facebook.com slash SportsCasterFarzine, Twitter.com slash Farzine21. Okay, we've got two games to kind of go over. Chiefs versus Chargers and then Raiders versus Broncos because... Let's face it, I think a lot of Chiefs fans are more interested in the Raiders and Broncos game than they are in the Chiefs and Chargers game this weekend. Now, by all means, don't overlook the Chargers just because they lost to the Browns. This is a team that had the Chiefs backed up against the wall on September the 11th to start off the season, and it took the biggest comeback in franchise history to avoid a loss there. Alright, let's start off with the Chiefs and Chargers because... Uh, you know, of course, being the Chiefs on podcast, you know, we'd be doing a disservice if we don't start off with that game. Uh, look, I think it's only obvious we start off with Phillip Rivers and what he's done this year. He's fifth in the NFL in passing yards with 4,117 yards, fourth in the NFL in passing touchdown. By the way, the Chiefs have gone up against a lot of good quarterbacks this season. Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, Phillip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger, Andrew Luck, Derek Carr, Jameis Winston, 
Marcus Mariota, all of them are in the top 10 in the NFL this season in passing touchdowns. So that's quite the list there. Uh, the Chiefs have gone up against it, and it's not easy. And the Chiefs have done fairly well against a lot of these quarterbacks, especially Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, uh, Rivers maybe twice. Uh, Derek Card, they've done it twice. Uh, Mariota and Jameis Winston fell to those guys. Uh, for the most part, you know, Andrew Luck on that list, the Chiefs have done a good job. But uh, Rivers this season, fourth in the NFL in passing touchdowns. He leads the NFL in interceptions with 19, and I think that right there could be the difference maker for the Chiefs. You know, and by the way, you also look at how many times he's been sacked this year, 36 times. That is tied for seventh most, whereas Alex Smith hasn't been sacked a lot. This is the least amount of times he's been sacked. 27 times he's been sacked this year, the 19th most in the NFL. So tables have really turned uh, this year. The Chiefs not getting sacked as much. And here's Phillip Rivers, who doesn't do very well under pressure and Listen, that's why the San Diego Chargers have... That's why they're a five-win football team. That's why they've only won five games. They're a very dynamic offense, the the Chargers, that is. They are, if I'm not mistaken, number six in the NFL in yards per game through the air. And you look at who they have on their team. By the way, Dexter McCluster was on the team, but suffered some mysterious injury at his own home. That put him out for the season? Uh, it's not what you ever want to hear. Uh, but, man, uh, they really got off to a great start with Keenan Allen, but suffered that torn ACL injury against the Chiefs in Week 1, which opened up the door for the Chiefs to get back in the game. The Chargers didn't convert a third down after his injury, and I can only imagine what kind of a team the Chargers would have been had he still been on the team. Uh, Tyrell Williams, their leading receiver, 63 catches, 989 yards, and 7 touchdowns. Uh, Hunter Henry, only 32 catches, but ties Williams for most touchdowns on the season with seven. Uh, you also got Dontrell Inman, who's got 54 catches for 759 yards. Uh, and he's done, uh, Phil Rivers has done a good job of distributing the football. I know Antonio Gates still not the same guy, but at the same time, I mean, he'll have his moments every now and then, uh, looking like the old Antonio Gates. But this just is, is not the same passing offense that we are so familiar with uh, around 2007, 2008, 2009, that high-powered super chargers uh, on both sides of the football, really. And that's just really not the case with them anymore. Uh, I remember when Ryan Matthews got drafted, a lot of high praise for him, and it just didn't pound out. And now they have guys like Melvin Gordon and Kenneth Farrow trying to pound the rock, and that's not going too well for them either. Uh, Gordon, 997 yards. He might eclipse the 1,000-yard mark, but that's nothing really impressive, especially when you consider how many attempts he's had, too. He has a 3.9-yard per carry average. So he's he's just about average, really. I mean, you want to be at a 4.0 or better to be considered a good, good running back. He's got 10 touchdowns on the ground this year, so... Uh, that's really the best uh, they have. And listen, when you have a, a guy like Rivers, and I know he airs it out a lot, uh, but still, it's not like Rivers is in the top 10 and passes thrown either. So 19 interceptions isn't good, especially for a guy like Rivers who's uh, really accomplished a lot statistically, maybe not in the postseason. Uh, but in his 13th year at 35 years old, he just turned 35 this month. Uh, you're looking at a guy who might be seeing the uh, waning moments of his career, and 
uh, it'd be it'd be unfortunate if he couldn't win a Super Bowl, especially with the talents he has. I know he could have done a lot of great things with any other franchise, including here in Kansas City. But uh, with what he's done in San Diego, it really just has not panned out well for for that uh, for that offense. In San Diego, not a good rushing team, so they're going to be relying on their passing game in this in this one. And good luck because Kansas City has. Some big-time pass rushers. Tom Bahali, D. Ford, you name it. Duntari Poe, who can also throw the football. Let's not forget about that. Uh, D. D. Ford, Justin Houston. So many great guys across the defense, and hopefully Justin Houston will be available this time uh, because the Chiefs could use him down the stretch too. And this is a guy in Phillip Rivers who does not do well under pressure. He just doesn't, and that could be the biggest difference maker. When you look at... How many interceptions he has thrown this year. And again, it's it's at 19. And you look at the Chiefs. They've always been... The Chiefs have one of the best defenses in the NFL. In fact, the Chiefs lead the NFL in defensive touchdowns this year with five. They've got a positive 15 turnover ratio. That's the second best in the NFL behind the Oakland Raiders. The Chiefs have 16 interceptions... They tie, they're tied with a couple other teams for third place. They've been leading the NFL most of the way, and that was a big thanks to Ryan Fitzpatrick and the New York Jets. But this Chiefs team, man, and their 31 takeaways, which, by the way, that 31, that is the most in the NFL. And, and I think that can be their X factor going into the playoffs. Those 31 takeaways, that's going to play a role in this game. If, if Philip Rivers, if he's a, if he's gonna be going pick city against this Chiefs defense that can put pressure and force ill-advised passes, which turn into interceptions, then at that point, you know that this is gonna be a, a good game for the defense. And look, I think this is gonna be a much different Chiefs team from Week One. I know this is still a Chiefs team that seems to dominate this, the game for just only one quarter or one half. But this Chargers defense, really the whole team has been bad the whole year. And, you know, why not? Why don't we just get right into it going into the, the Chargers defense? Which One last thing on the offense before I forget. They've converted 43% of their third downs. That's the eighth best in the NFL. And the Chiefs, they, they've always had the bend, don't break style. So I think we'll see the Chargers struggle a lot in the red zone. And that's when the Chiefs can come up with some big turnovers and uh, turn those long drives into wasted opportunities for the San Diego Chargers. But defensively speaking, not a very good defense. Uh, they're 19th in your passing yards allowed per game. And as far as rushing yards allowed, they're 10th allowed. But listen, we know the Chiefs, uh, e- even against some of the better defenses, they have found a way to gash through with Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. And now that Tyreek Hill is used, used as a convoy in, in a lot of these games now, you can see the offense... Open up a little bit. Chris Conley can make some plays. Albert Wilson, too. Uh, Jeremy Macklin. I know I keep talking about this team's potential, but I think we saw a little bit of that this week. And I didn't talk about Demetrius Harris. He's a guy who had six catches in this game. Uh, not for big yardage, but... And obviously, he had that touchdown grab from Dontari Poe. But more, more seriously speaking, though, those six catches... Uh, he really came through for the Chiefs. He had the second most receptions behind Travis Kelsey against the Broncos. So this is somebody who can also come through and make a play. A guy who was a liability, he had the drops, the 
he 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 had that weird Dante Hall like moment where he tried to run backwards, like kind of like Madden, and uh, ended up fumbling at one point. This is a guy who's really come together on his own, and he's really picked it up from Travis Kelsey. I think coaching has definitely been a factor for him as well in his improvement. He's a guy who can also come through, and we know Alex Smith loves tight ends. So if there's an opportunity to strike to a tight end, which he did to, what was it? A total of 17 times to Travis Kelsey and Demetrius Harris against the Broncos, he'll do it. So we know that the Chiefs are going to use these tight ends as much as possible, especially against a, a weak defense like the Chargers that allow a lot of yards. And listen, when you turn the football over a lot, when you lead the NFL in interceptions, that means your defense is going to be playing a lot. And time of possession, that can be a killer for for defenses if they're on the field a lot. So that's an opportunity for the Chiefs to kind of take advantage of the stamina that the Chargers defense might not have and just go through this defense. And I do want to touch on San Diego's special teams because I, I mentioned earlier that's been a liability. Uh, Josh Lambeau, 24 of 30 field goals. That's not been a pretty season for the Chargers when it comes to field goals. I mean, th- th- there have been some, some, by the way, they have not attempted. Uh, can't even get the placement down, can't hold it right, high snaps, they get blocked. Uh, it's just been a bad year for the Chargers on special teams. It really has been. Dexter McCluster was their main return man, and as Chiefs fans, we know what he's capable of, but because of his injury, it's Isaiah Bruce, who's the special teams guy. Uh, Drew Casey, the punter, the the rookie who I mentioned, who was a big factor in helping the Chiefs bounce back. Uh, He is... He's improved as the season's gone on, but I think at the end of the day, this is a guy who the Chiefs want to take advantage of, especially when you have Tyreek Hill as your return man, so... I think the Chiefs can really make some plays with their running backs. I, I, I know they'd like to use Spencer Ware if he's able to play in this game. I, I know they're they're checking him out, see if he can play. Uh, they're evaluating him. But Jorkandrick West, uh, a guy who really came through last season when Jamal Charles got hurt, this would be a big opportunity for him to step up and help the Chiefs kind of move the ball forward and have something to rely on going into the playoffs. So I, I think this is going to be a one-sided game. I think the Chiefs do come through, and if this was a game where you were not scoreboard watching, it, I mean, if the if there was absolutely no scoreboard watching whatsoever, if you have to focus fully on this game, I think the Chiefs could win this game. I, I would say twenty-eight to fourteen. I think the Chiefs can can win in, in a one-sided battle, uh, but. If, if if with the the technology that every stadium has, they put the score of every football game around, and of course Andy Reid will be notified in his headset by somebody or maybe a PR guy uh, what the score is to the Raiders game, and that's crucial because you need to know how the Raiders are doing. If the Raiders are winning in a blowout, and, and if you have a respectable lead, put in your backups, just like how you did a couple of years ago in, tw- in the 2013 season finale. So I think the Chiefs can go out to San Diego, take care of business, put up 28 to 31 points. I'll, I'll say 28. Uh, like I said, 28 to 14. That's my prediction for the Chiefs in this game. Uh, and, and they'll pick up their 12th win of the season. Now the question is, is this going to be a 12-win season as AFC West champions? Or 
as a wild card team. Again, another season where you go with double digit wins, but end up with a wild card spot. And that all relies on, you know, along with winning this game. Depends on what happens uh, in Denver between the Raiders and the Broncos. Look, I'm not going to get too detailed into this game. I I know that's going to be one of the more uh, viewed games from a Chiefs fan's perspective, uh, even over the Chiefs game. Uh, but but here, here here's the way I see things go, going down. You you this is going to be a long scoring game. You've got Khalil Mack and Bruce Irvin for the Oakland Raiders, two great pass rushers. And Khalil Mack having a defensive player of the year kind of season, as is Von Miller for the Denver Broncos. And you've got Von Miller and Shane Ray. Shane Ray, by the way, former Mizzou product, uh, I guess in an interview, uh, he talked about the Dantari Poe touchdown and, and said that, uh, you know, we won't forget that play. Uh, okay, uh, l- look, uh, you lost 33 to 10. Uh, if you, uh, if you don't, yeah, I, I mean, listen, the, and the only reason the Broncos got a touchdown in that game was because of that interception, that ill-advised pass from Alex Smith. I mean, all those years that the Broncos blew out the Chiefs, the Chiefs can do it for once, all right? Just, just, just settle down. Look, you're a big boy. If you can't, if you can't stop them. Then, then, then do something about it. Don't don't complain about it. But anyway, moving on with this game, Shane Ray and Von Miller. I, I I think those four players that I mentioned, those four pass rushers, two on each team, they're going to be the playmakers in this game. Trevor Simeon, a young guy who's yes played a lot a lot this year for for the Broncos, a lot than anyone probably imagined. Uh, I, I think he's. Still going to have some trouble uh, against an Ely Cooper pass rushers that the Raiders have. I think their defense is going to be too much. And then Matt McGloin, pardon me, who started six games for the Broncos back in 2013. He's a little bit familiar with the NFL game, but since starting games in 2013, he's only played in five NFL games. So it's not like he has that experience as, as an NFL quarterback. Uh, he's got 11 touchdowns and 11 interceptions in his career and it's been sacked a total of nine times. Again, that's from his uh, six uh, starts. Right from his six starts, actually, he was he had eight touchdowns, eight picks. But uh, 2014 didn't start, but still played. He got some significant playing time out of 19 pass attempts. He had a touchdown and a pair of picks, and uh, also got sacked. Got sacked twice in 2015. Had more pass attempts and more familiar with Jack Del Rio's. Uh, style, but as a backup too, which again, let's just be honest, as a backup, you're not getting the the uh, same amount of repetitions that Derek Carr would get. So I think for McGloin and Simeon in this game, those are two QBs who are going to see the turf quite a lot. They're going to be under pressure all game long because of Shane Ray and uh, Von Miller, DeMarcus Ware. He's been placed on IR, so his season will end a week early. And then you've got the guys on the Raiders, Khalil Mack and Shane Ray. Those, those guys are going to go out there and try to do some damage. Uh, or pardon me, Khalil Mack and Bruce Irvin who are going to try to do some damage on uh, Trevor Simeon. So th- to me, I think so much of this game, and by the way, the Raiders, I know they've got so much. I, I mentioned earlier with their receivers. But to me, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if Matt McGloin can get the ball to them. And a guy like McGloin, who's stepping into this new role that he's never been involved with before, yes, he did have those six starts in 2013, but that was a bad Raiders football team. Amari Cooper wasn't on the team. 
uh, Crabtree wasn't on the team. Jack Del Rio wasn't even on the team at the time. So you're not going to be playing on a team where you've got to figure out a way to go up against this Denver defense, which, again, I know Chris Harrison and Aqib Tlaib, they were very quiet in this game. Uh, I mean, the Chiefs, those guys weren't even discussed. They weren't even talked about in that game. And those are the two best quarterbacks in the NFL. So I think those two ex-Jayhawks, they want to end the season with a better taste in their mouths to close out 2016 and try to come back strong for 2017. And look, the, as, as short as the season is, it's, it's a long off season too. So those guys, if they, if they want to go into the long off season, at least go in with a good taste in their mouths. So I think they're going to be a little overdue for a good game. Each of those guys, uh, TJ Ward, also a very good safety. Bradley Roby, a good slot quarterback, also can fill in as one of the starters in rotation. But uh, this is a this is a secondary that wants to get the job done, and they would be ashamed if they pretty much got torn apart by Matt McGloin. I mean, I, I look at that Denver defense that which is the best pass defense in the NFL. You've got to go out there and dominate this team, which you know Matt McGloin is no rookie, but it feels like you're going up against a rookie quarterback because of his inexperience in the NFL. Only six NFL starts. He's only thrown 266 pass attempts. So the Broncos can go out there, put some pressure, and you've got the secondary kind of similar to Kansas City's with Eric Berry, Ron Parker, uh, Marcus Peters. You can go out there and rely on your defense to take advantage of the, of the pressure and the ill-advised passes. Whereas with Oakland's secondary, you just don't have that luxury. You just don't. Sean Smith uh, and Amerson, I think those are two solid cornerbacks. They're not as good as I thought they would have been this year. Uh, Nelson, kind of an underrated safety, but but still has some room to improve. Allen, not a very good, strong safety. So, uh, you know, Trevor Simeon has an opportunity to, if he can beat the pass rush, if the tackles... Russell Okung and Donald Stevenson, and look, good luck to Donald Stevenson because he's the worst tackle ever, and he proved this past week why the Chiefs let him go. Uh, so you're going to need to put a tight end like Hewerman or maybe even a fullback like uh, Booker or, or, or running back somebody to help Stevenson as, as an extra blocker to keep those pass rushes away from Simeon because if Simeon can be if he can get some time, he has the receivers in Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas. And listen, similar to those cornerbacks I mentioned, uh, Aqib Tlaib and Chris Harris Jr., Thomas and Sanders also had a really bad game against the Chiefs. Both of them were really quiet. They were limited in this game. So those guys also want to end the season on, a, on at least a higher note than they did in Kansas City. So you look for those guys to kind of come through in that game. And, and listen... I think Denver does it. I think they can knock off the Oakland Raiders, and I think the Chiefs can go to San Diego and take care of business, and you'll get the Chiefs getting their first AFC West title since 2010 when Todd Haley was the head coach. And Matt Castle, good old Matt Castle, who's now playing for the Titans, filling in. Uh, that was the last time the Chiefs won the AFC West, uh, when uh, those two were in control, uh, head coach and quarterback. So... I think the Chiefs can do that. I, I, I think they can win the AFC West. I think the Broncos, 
my only concern would be Donald Stevenson in this game. That's why I'm suggesting, uh, you know, put a tight end or, or, or a halfback or a fullback to uh, help him out because he just can't get it done on his own. And the Raiders do, I mean, it's no joke with Bruce Irvin and Khalil Mack. Uh, those are two outstanding, phenomenal pass rushers, similar to... Von Miller, and Demarcus Ware, and Shane Ray, you know Tom Bahali, D. Ford, Justin Houston. The AFC West is full of great pass rushers. They, they really are, and I think this is a, this is a game where I think the Broncos have the upper hand, and I think it's going to be low scoring. I say the Broncos win this one, thirteen to nine. That's my prediction for this one. Raiders get all field goals. Uh, the Broncos get that one touchdown that could make the difference in this game. And I think Simeon can have a better connection to Thomas and Sanders in this one. And like I said, with the defensive side for the Broncos, I think that entire defense wants to end the season on a better note. Von Miller didn't have the greatest game. Uh, Harris and, and uh, Tlaib, they definitely want to do better as well to close out their 2016 season, despite not going to the playoffs. 28 to 14 Chiefs, 13 to 9 Broncos. Chiefs win the AFC West this week and they'll get that first round by definitely a much needed one for the Chiefs with the amount of high-powered quarterbacks they face this year. I, I, I mentioned the list. They could use that break. facebook.com/sportscasterfarzine that is my Facebook page or search my name Farzine Vesugian. twitter.com/farzine21. By the way, I'm considering doing a Facebook live at halftime and after a game. I don't know. Would that interest you guys? Please let me know on the Facebook page or even tweet me if you, you'd be interested in, in that. If you guys would tune in for that, hey, I'd be for it. Uh, I, I might give it a try this weekend. Who knows? Twitter.com slash Farzine21. That's my Twitter. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. It's called The Chief Stone, hosted by me, your host, Farzine Vesugian. Let a friend know about it. Hit the subscribe button and pass the word. I'm Farzine Vesugian. Thank you, guys. Hope you all had a Merry Christmas. If you're still visiting family, friends throughout the holidays, enjoy it. Have a safe, be smart, have a happy new year. I'll talk to you guys next year in 2017 after the Chiefs win the division and earn their first round bye. Happy New Year.